Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Cannon Calls. This week, we have a special guest, David Goodwin, who is the president of the ACCS, that's Association of Classical Christian Schools. Before we get to that interview, I wanted to make sure you knew that LogosPressOnline.com has a beautiful brand new website that makes buying curriculum as easy as possible. We create and provide products that sketch a vision of a whole life, a whole culture, a life full of beauty, tradition, education, community, laughter, and celebration, unashamed of Christ, and sharply at odds with the values of modernity. A mature culture with the church at center, living out the good life, one family at a time. That's logospressonline.com, and if you head there right away, there is a big sale happening. So make sure you head there today, and without further ado, meet David Goodwin. Okay, we now welcome on a special guest, Mr. David Goodwin. Thank you so much for being generous with your time. My pleasure. It's good to be with you. All righty. So I mentioned to you, I, wanna, I wanted to do an episode on the Association of Classical Christian Schools. Obviously, being in Moscow, this is something we're super proud of. And I, I wanted an opportunity for folks who maybe have just heard about it to really get the full dose of what it's about. So if we could, before we jump into the survey results and everything else, can, can you tell us what ACCS is and what it's about and about you? Well, sure. Uh, ACCS is um, the Association of Classical Christian Schools. It was founded in the early 90s, uh, and it was founded um, out of the outworkings of some of the same places Canon was uh, in Moscow. It basically serves as a, a voice for the 300-plus schools that are in our membership uh, that have grown up under the classical Christian system and the renewal that's happened over the past uh, oh, 20 or 30 years. And so uh, we do research and work on uh, helping schools grow and start and getting parents access to school Christian education uh, across the United States and around the world. Most of our activity does happen to be in the United States at this point. Can you talk about how you might differentiate, whether it's method or anything else, you said classical Christian, how would you differentiate yourself from maybe even the other subjects in the survey? Right. Well, um, <laughs> the little known fact for most people is that there are really two branches to the tree of education as we know it. Um, the progressive branch is the one that most people are commonly aware of. It began in the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, was pretty much fully enforced in the United States by 1920. So very few, if any, educational institutions out there are untouched by progressive education. Even our own movement is still continuing to uh, work its way through the, you know, extrication of the progressive model. But um, the other branch of the tree that goes way back, uh, it's much an, a much older branch into the Greeks, the Romans, uh, dates back in the church to maybe the third century um, there's a lot of debate about that, but in any event, um, that form of education called classical Christian education uh, was very different. It uh, had different ends, it had different means, and it had different outcomes. And so um, 
it was restored, uh, or we began the restoration sometime in the early 1990s. The differences are, you know, I talked about having different ends or different purposes. Um, historically, education was seen uh, with a much broader basis than the current view, which is largely pragmatic, that education is so you can read, write, and do arithmetic. To go on to college to get a job, that general progressive story is what was told around the first part of the 20th century. Now, oddly, one might think that the other branch of the tree, the classical Christian branch, might uh, take a different direction. Uh, in effect, uh, classical Christian education still proves, and the survey shows it among other things, but through many other uh, points, it still shows itself to be you know, the superior way to develop students' minds, intellects, and capacities for college. But it's not the main purpose of classical education. Classical education pursues virtue, uh, which sounds like a narrow or an odd thing because we translate virtue in our modern context as sort of moralism or something like that. But in the ancient context, virtue was um, taking and refining the or, or cultivating the uh, capacities of a, of a person in generally three categories, sort of how they see the natural world, how they see the moral world, and how they how they interact with the intellectual world, the intellectual world being things like logic and reason, rhetoric, uh, things like that. So our schools are really rooted in the restoration of that form, that branch of the tree that focuses on the cultivation of virtue. So they do a lot of uh, things, reading ancient works, uh, even common works of uh, modern scholarship uh, and everything in between. We have a heavy emphasis on the Middle Ages, uh, which seems odd as well until you realize that that's where a lot of the scholarship that that the, the uh, West leans on comes from. And so we spend our time there and we spend our time around tables discussing ideas we uh, cage the entire sort of the entire uh, matchup of uh, coursework to uh, three categories: grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Grammar being the earliest phase for young students who learn to um, memorize important facts and recite things and, and practice certain habits. Uh, and then in the middle school years. They focus more on logic or the development of uh, sound reason, and in the high school years, they focus on uh, rhetoric or what some people think of rhetoric in a narrow context, once again, as sort of just the focus on um, speaking well. But really, rhetoric is the, when you think about it, it, it is the development of a thesis. In other words, this and not that. So um, you, you make an argument from that, and then you defend the argument. That process is a thought process, and so in effect, what we're doing is cultivating students who are very gifted at being able to think um, in, in the terms that I think our, um, our culture often doesn't respect much anymore, which is truth categories, where truth um, or, and falsehood are recognized. So that's the general classical Christian pitch in a nutshell. How would you talk about the Christian modifier there? Because I am seeing more and more a growth of classical uh, classical schools, classical charter schools, um, where they could probably find a lot of what you just unpacked. For ACCS, what does that Christian modifier mean, and, and how important is it to the education? 
Well, it's ironic. It's a little bit deceiving because people perceive that it may just be a Christianized form of classical education, but it's really not. Um, It was grafted together with the classical um, tree, if you will, so early on that it really became the fulfillment of what classical education pursued. So when you think about the cultivation of virtue, um, the ancient world didn't have a very good connection with um, with the logos or the you know the truth of the the knowledge of God, and of course Christianity fulfilled the logos in Christ, and so um, it really has grown up naturally together. So it's not so much a Christianization of the classical form as it is that by the Middle Ages. Um, all truth was God's truth, and everything was being understood and perceived through that lens. That has come into scrutiny, of course, in popular culture with things like Galileo, you know, ostensibly being persecuted and those sorts of things. But uh, there were some things that happened that weren't great in the medieval age with regard to scholarship, but much, much more happened that was uh, was amazing and important. Uh, and that's uh, sort of that fusion of Christianity providing an answer for the questions that the Greeks were asking. And so that that's its its essence. Charter schools, um, ironically, um, are reverse engineered to a great degree out of the classical Christian tradition because um, that was the general form of classical education up until probably the early 1800s. And, um, and the Enlightenment attempted to um, remove Christ, and in the age of rationalism, they tried to to make reason the God that could answer all the questions, um, and that uh, you know that became a form that quickly uh, died off with the progressive movement of the early 20th century. But that form has been rejuvenated, re- rekindled in the charter schools that are forbidden by national. Uh, constitution and law from dealing with Christ. And so they now return to teaching classically without an answer, essentially, without the Christian answer. Without a soul. Yeah. The heart of the interview that I was after was a Notre Dame study that recently came out about the ACCS schools. So how did this survey come about? What was the original intention? How long have you guys been working on that? Well, that's a great story. Um, I was called by a friend of mine, uh, Hal Whitman, who runs a school in um, in Princeton, New Jersey, and he said, you know, in this town, everybody's really keen on college admissions. And I just uh, pitched to a donor, and they want to know what are our – because our, our college admissions uh, statistics have been gathered for years and years, and they're very good, and so they, they do a good job of selling things. But he – kind of got flat-footed um, with a, a donor who said, well, what about the Christian outcomes? What did they look like? And so he called me, and we started a project, and uh, started looking at ways of measuring that. And we found the Cardis study out of uh, the University of Notre Dame, which was a, a sweeping 80, I think it was about 89 pages in print. It's obviously an internet study, so it's not that in, in the internet world. But it was a very extensive study. That's the point. And it looked at uh, life outcomes of, of graduates of schools uh, between the ages of 23 and 44. Now, Cardis uh, was surveying five different types of schools. They were looking at public schools, uh, Catholic schools, private preparatory secular schools, uh, home schools, and uh, evangelical schools. So 
Um, classical Christian schools weren't in their research set, but they had researched the other five categories to compare them on a number of uh, measures. Um, when we discussed this with the researchers at Notre Dame, they said, well, you know, if you just run the same survey, we could possibly do the same thing with ACC graduates that we do with these other sectors. Uh, the only catch is you have to have thousands of, of um you know, samples. Um, and um, by the grace of, of God, we had just reached in the recent years um, a collection of enough alumni from classical Christian schools in our database that we could actually meet their requirements. So we passed those over to Notre Dame and they began the research project. And that's uh, how we got to where we are. How, how long did like this process take from beginning to end? It was about a year and a half for the study and another half. So it's about two years, year and a half for the study and some analysis, and then another six months of analysis to get it to the point where we could release it last month, uh, I think February 20th or something. What I'd love to do is is kind of have you walk us through maybe some uh, parts that you think are, are really valuable, things that really stand out to you. If folks want to see this um I'm currently looking at it at classicaldifference.com slash good dash soil. That's the landing place. Yep. And okay. so when you go there, you'll see some really simple graphs and charts that are available and a little wheel that shows the various types of schools. But if you look carefully, there's a link to the 50 page report that we generated. Okay. So okay, great. You can see the detail in the 50 page uh, PDF. That's what I'm using as we speak to okay. uh, answer your question. Awesome. Where would you want to start us? Well, I guess the first thing, I'll just walk through what the study does. So it looks at, out, at out, uh, sort of life outcomes. So these are, these are post-college peop, uh, uh, graduates of schools that have children. Oftentimes, you know, they're well into their lives, uh, for the, to their lives. And so um, it asks about their attitudes, about their opinions, their beliefs, their practices, in a number of areas uh, that span everything from politics to Christian practices to mission trips to uh, vocation to uh, training. I mean, they're they're just, it's very broad. When we first got the uh, survey, uh, I got 500 slides uh, from Notre Dame with standard deviations and all kinds of complexity. And I thought, how are we ever going to uh, turn this into something that'll be meaningful to people. Now, it was immediately evident that there was a huge difference between classical education and all the other forms of education that were measured. Uh, that was not something we expected to be so pronounced. Uh, it was it was pretty radically pronounced. So there were there were quite a few differences, and we knew that we had to figure out how to package this in such a way or do some analysis with it that parents would be able to uh, figure out what it meant. So what we did is we took the the 500 slides and and kept, you know, looking at them, piling them in piles, you know, doing things. We figured out that really there seemed to be seven different messages or stories coming out of the research if you looked at it. Um, and so we took those seven categories and we found the questions that most pointed to those or correlated with those um, particular outcomes. And then we um, used uh, the statistical tools that Notre Dame has to um, <clears throat> create a uh, uh, profile for each of these seven aspects. And uh, those are probably what I can go through with you today. Yeah, and, that'd be awesome. 
Yeah. So the first of them is college and career, which is um, we only made it first because it's always the first question parents ask, right? Is you know, it, it sounds great to study Latin and old books, but do these kids, you know, are they ready for the real world? And so that was our first, uh, you know, first area of collected um, uh, research. So we put things together there. And um, what you see generally is that of the five, of the six categories, this is going to be a story that's kind of a bit of a refrain. Of the six types of schools, um, classical Christian schools are the f- best at preparing kids for college. Um, they are about twice, the, a little more than twice uh, on the index score, a little bit more than twice the value of uh, private preparatory schools, which are the next highest group in that measure. Um, And then below the next one down from that are Catholic schools. So if you want to be prepared for college and career, your best bet is an ACCS school. Um, But prep schools are pretty effective and the Catholic schools around the country have some effect there above the median. Uh, The things below the median uh, were homeschoolers and right at the median were evangelical schools and then public schools were, were pretty far below the median as well. Now, the one that surprised us on that one was the homeschools. We didn't expect them to uh, not, not, not be as effective. But when you look into the data itself, it actually tells a story that needs to, you know, kind of, uh, this is why it's good to read the report and look at the detail. Um, so homeschoolers actually do quite well on most of the metrics in the, in the, uh, in the profile. Uh, except one, which is completion of a bachelor's degree or higher. So they don't they don't complete college very often. At least that's what the data shows. Now remember, the data on homeschoolers was not attain, obtained by ACCS. We're comparing. This is the Cardis study. It's been out there for a while. So uh, they do it every three years. It's a well vetted study. Um, and so all of these, by the way, are corrected. All the things I'm going to tell you are corrected via statistical method for school effect only, meaning that they they can isolate because they ask so many questions about the types of families that each of these groups had. They isolate the type of family uh, to uh, ju- so that that can be taken out of the data and they're just looking at the school effect. Okay. So that's college and career. Okay. So, yeah, you were yeah, saying that's... this is not ACCS's... <laughs> that you that you did, and then you're just like, wow! All of a sudden, ACCS is looking very good by our standards. This was somebody else entirely, right? right. Yeah, Cardis is not affiliated or had, does not have a relationship with the ACCS. They're the ones who gathered all the data except the ACCS data. The ACCS data was collected and and processed in the same exact way as the Cardis data because it was done by Notre Dame, not the ACCS. Okay. So we contracted with Notre Dame to do the exact same thing that they did with the Cardis segments, but they did it with ours. And okay. the only thing we did was provide them with a large enough list of alumni they could get a statistically valid sample. Excellent. So the second area was one of the most interesting to me. Um, it was the outlook on life. Um, and the reason that one is so interesting to me is that ACCS on this one exceeds the median by about five or six times the next highest group, which are homeschoolers. Uh, they exceed the median by a, a bit. Now, one might ask, what is Outlook on Life? Um, Outlook on Life uh, reflected que- a, a number of sort of eclectic combinations of questions that um, 
you might think of as mental health in some capacity. Um, they uh, they were things like uh, gratitude um, and like um, one of the areas where we were very is on whether or not uh, our our alumni agreed with I feel helpless dealing with life's problems or I have so much in life to be thankful for or uh, everything that happens including my suffering is part of God's plan or life often lacks clear goals or a sense of direction. So you can tell these kinds of outlook questions are, are kind of attitudinal. Uh, what's your attitude or thought about these things? What are your beliefs about these things? And we scored quite differently on each of those. Um, and then another one in this that is a collected group in this um, sector is something called trust. Trust is interesting because when psychologists see a high degree of trust among a population segment, they generally will say that uh, that segment is very healthy mentally, and the reason for that is is that they just you know people tend to trust when they're when they're confident and secure in who they are and that kind of thing. And so when you look at uh, trust, uh, ACCS, um, uh, there were questions about how we trusted um, or how the various groups trusted about eight different categories. Um, four of those were uh, people you might meet. Like, how much do we trust strangers? How much do we trust coworkers? How how much do we trust people at church, neighbors? Um, so people you might meet, you know, those are all grouped together, and we are the highest of all the categories for trust in in those segments. The others cluster fairly close together. The other groups cluster fairly close together, except there's a few outliers, like you know, and I hate to say this, but like in the how much do you trust people at church? The Catholics are pretty low on that one. You know, they're lower, but, you know, not too far off the public schools and that kind of thing. The evangelical homeschool and classical Christian schools are all high, but ACCS is much higher. So you can see that um, that in the report, the list of people you might meet is pretty high. Now, the other group that's interesting are the next four groups, which are institutional. They're sort of more in how much do we trust various institutions? The four that we're inquired about were scientists, atheists, the federal government, and mass media. So some might see this as a little bit of a concern. For example, um, ACCS graduates tended to trust mass media more than uh, the other Christian groups, although much less than the uh, secular groups. Um, and so uh, given you know this was taken at the end of 2018 things have continued to get worse there i'm not sure how that uh trust of mass media would actually be today <laughs> uh but uh, uh we did have higher trust there some trust of the federal government to a higher degree than other christian groups and and uh more trust of atheists than other christian groups so again one might be concerned about these answers except for the fact that we are generally more trusting of just about every institution and person and that again goes to the psychology of it so um, that's kind of the the outcome on um, life outlook. Another factor there um, that we found very interesting is that ACCS, about 90% of ACCS alumni have more friends, three or more. Uh, the, the median was three friends uh, when they defined a friend as a close friend, someone that you confided in um, ACCS, 90% uh, of the alumni were above that median. So it's a very high uh, factor and they discuss spiritual things with them, et cetera. 
So the the next profile that we did, uh, the first two being uh, college and career, and then life uh, life outlook. Right. The third one was Christian commitment, um, which was really looking at how much, how committed they were to their church, to their uh, to their um, spiritual activities. And so this is kind of you know most people say, do they still go to church? Is kind of the measure that people are are wanting to know. And of course, I'll you know, uh, spoiler there. Yes, um, the uh, church attendance among ACCS graduates is uh, about ninety percent over the um, over the median, which means that um, they attend three times or more per month. So ninety percent of our our alumni still attend church three or more times a month. Relative to the other groups, the next one down, I think, would be evangelical and homeschool. Both sit at about uh, 70%, 65%, somewhere in there. So um, a little stronger there. Um, You know, it's interesting in there, we also measured um, whether they have doubts about their religious beliefs. And ACCS was the most likely of the the conservative uh, Christian groups, evangelical homeschool and ACCS, to have doubts about their beliefs. So that was kind of an interesting finding. Um, they have an, um, they feel a strong obligation to practice their spiritual, uh, disciplines. Um, they are, you know, they really, um, they attend, uh, religious small groups at a much higher rate. Uh, they're 2.6 times more likely to pray alone and 6.7 times more likely to read, uh, uh, books on or religious books. They read their Bible um, frequently. So, um, it, you know, it just as you look at it, you know, you even get down into what their career priorities are. And this was one of the interesting factors. They tend to be uh, ACCS alumni are much more likely to pursue a career that uh, requires creativity, uh, that fulfills the religious calling and to help others. Uh, what they're not likely to pursue is a career that pays well or is near their family uh, relative to the other groups, which is kind of funny. Uh, we found that the family one was a little concerning to us. <laughs> the paying well, it's like, well, I, I hope uh, parents don't think that their kids are going to fund their uh, retirement or because uh, not ECCS graduates just don't prioritize the pay as much. The few um, graphs here in the studies that you're mentioning in the Christian practices realm, you know, you you put that on the stark contrast of um, the much-cited SBC stat that came out that was really horrifying as far as kids that are keeping their faith after college or once they get into college, where that number seems to dive. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the stat about having doubts uh, or whatever, but even later on, you'll talk about the independent thinking of ACCS students compared to the rest is is also off the charts. Right. Yeah, that's where I was going to bring that back around, that the doubts thing is really just a function of them being thinkers. Right. They, uh, When you get down into it, you realize that they're deeply committed Christians who just are serious about thought, and that tends to give them a little, and it's a very small, you know, uh, amount of difference, but it it's, you know, important part of of the overall survey so i I mentioned it so file four is christian life which differs from christian practices because what we're looking at here is more how they live their lives in general uh, rather than going to church and that kind of thing so you know you look at some things like uh, their attitudes they're much more likely to accept the authority of the church 
uh, in their lives and, and to tithe, um, they give about the same amount as uh, the other sectors to their church, even though they feel a higher obligation to tithe. Uh, the families talk about God much, much more than other sectors, and they're much more likely to have a child in a religious uh, school. Now, I always get asked on this one, do they send their kids to classical Christian schools? Well, remember, we didn't write the survey. So classical Christian was not in the survey. We don't know what kind of religious school, but I think it's, a pro it's, it's pretty likely, given the other data we see, that they're sending their kids to classical Christian schools. Um, marital satisfaction is about the same as the other segments, yet they um, are much more likely to believe that living together is morally wrong and that divorce is morally wrong. And what's really interesting in this is not only do they believe that, but those uh, who reported being divorced or separated from their spouse were much, much lower. It, you know, the only way you can really depict this is to come see the report on page uh, 35 where it shows the actual chart, 4.9. Um, it's much, much lower divorce rate among ACCS graduates. And on the chart for unmarried living together, we had to chase this one around a little bit because um, we we thought for a while we had missing data. And in fact, there were no reported, um, no reported ACCS alumni who were unmarried and living with their uh, significant other. Wow. Uh, and so that doesn't mean that none are out there, but it's so rare that it, it didn't even show up in the data. Um, and that they're much more likely to volunteer. So do you have any questions on, on profile four? I would love to revisit it as we kind of, when we wrap up, when we kind of conclude, I think, mm. I think that one and the, well, really the last two are fascinating in light of, uh, this is about education. You know, it's, it's not necessarily, you would think you were reading a report of like this morality school or, you know, um, yeah. this, you guys are doing study school, you know, and I think so many Christians often, uh, toss, you know, that's in a different category. That's siloed off over there while we worry about your Christian life. Um, and I think this report is like blowing that way out of the water. Well, and I think, I think there's a, there's a story behind it. You know, I, I have had the privilege of visiting around 100 classical Christian schools in the last several years because of my job. And you see it, and, and you, the report becomes um, more palpable when you're in the schools and you, you actually see what's going on because you've just got a different culture. Hmm. I mean, the culture in the schools is very, um, very much unlike, um, you know, if you go, I, I don't want to uh, disparage any. Uh, evangelical schools or anything. But if you go into most evangelical schools, what you find is something that's a Christian version of a public high school. Right. Exactly. And right. when you, yeah, I mean, you're going to have kids who are a little more polite and a little nicer and they, you know, uh, environments a little, a little less, uh, I don't, I don't know what you would say, kind of, uh, rough and tumble, but you see the, the basic lines are the same. Uh, when when I go into classical Christian schools, these numbers make sense because they're very different. Um, the the dress codes and uniforms are always just a little tiny hint of the overall picture of you know the the teachers are living in community with the students. You you see that the teachers are not you know the sage on a stage, if you will. They're kind of in the student body. They're part of them. The students. Um, 
practice things differently around the school. So the ethos, uh, what we would say in the classical world, sort of the ethos of the environment is so different in these schools that I think that's why these extend into aspects of morality that people wouldn't think would be there uh, just because of the seriousness and challenge that uh, these schools give to the faith. And I think it, it also presents to someone thinking about, well, there's that classical charter down the road, you know, that's basically the same thing, right? I think what what you're highlighting here is the soul of that study matters. And that that's an important point, a really important point. The thing is, is that I, I sometimes train administrators. I was administrator of a school for 12 or 13 years. Um, one of the sort of fundamental things that I train on that every administrator nods their head when I say it is that schools are really not about the program itself. That's just one leg of a three-legged stool. The schools are a product of the program, the teachers, and the students. And people often overlook the students. When you don't have the ability to curate your student body and make sure that the students uh, who are there want to be there, and that's one of the big challenges for charter schools is they have to really accept all comers. And so we're, we are able to um, cultivate a whole environment, a holistic environment that is uh, essentially as Christian as we can make it. And that's what, what drives some of these answers. Awesome. Yeah, so profile five is on conservative and traditional. This was just, again, when we were looking for these trends, we weren't necessarily, um, it's not like we set out to find this. It's just what the data showed us. So when you look at that, uh, the ne- we're the, the highest. Uh, we're more than twice. Uh, the, we have more than twice uh, the number above the median, which gives us twice the score uh, as homeschoolers or evangelical schools, which sit at about the same amount, but both are above the median. Uh, they sit at about 10, uh, a score of 10, and we're at uh, 27, I think it looks like. And uh, the three below the median are the Catholics, the private preparatory schools, and the public schools. And um, so, uh, obviously, um, that that outcome is a little bit predictable. The conservative Christian schools turn out more conservatives, uh, uh, but ACCS are, are far more so. Um, <clears throat> so when you move down, you look at some of the a- attributes of that. Uh, one of the questions, for example, was one of the main problems in the U.S. is lack of authority. Now, oddly, ACCS did not come out uh, at the top of that one. Uh, we we're at the bottom. Uh, you would think we would think that was a big problem, um, the lack of authority sure. in the U.S. But sure. when you think about the fact that that um, the way the question was asked, it was on a page, what, what do you think uh, one of the main problems is in the U.S.? And then lack of authority is one of the options. And there were many other options. Uh, it just means that our our alumni were more likely to choose some of the other options. And so we moved down. Uh, again, we see the um, the belief that uh, premarital sex is is uh, wrong, that gay marriage is wrong at higher rates than any of the other groups. They have a strong or a higher rate of believing the Bible is infallible. Uh, they have a much lower rate of saying that the Bible uh um, there are errors in the Bible regarding science or history. Which the Catholics so, are very high on, oddly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at that. That That's a funny thing. The Catholics really show up as outliers in some of these, and that's one. They just they believe the Bible is less um, accurate than their public school 
counterparts. You know, I have friends in the Catholic school movement, and they, they aren't too surprised by that for reasons of, of their clientele and other things. Six profiles of independent thought or independent thinkers. Um, that is uh, a measure that was the most difficult of any of these profiles to put together because we were actually having to compare multiple different answers and see how they thought differently than the group. And so just in general, all the Christian forms of education were a little bit more uh, independent in their thought, with private prep schools also ending up above the median slightly. So, um, in fact, private prep schools were, when corrected for school um, for school influence, the private prep schools were a little more uh, able to create independent thinkers than the evangelical schools were. Um, but ACCS again is more than twice the score of any other group. The next one down being homeschoolers. Um, some of these were a little bit unusual. I always like to throw an unusual one in at the beginning of each one of these sections. And uh, our obligation to care for the environment, uh, ACCS hmm. had the highest score on that. It was above public prep or Catholic schools even, which really was surprising. Uh, the other two Christian groups were fairly low. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of that, but um, <laughs> it was an interesting outcome. They uh, were much more likely to read more than 10 books annually, um, ACCS graduates were. But some of the more interesting things, you get down like on page 43, uh, chart 6.4, you get into looking at some of these. So there's some predictors that researchers have seen for a long time. One of them is that if you happen to know, uh, for example, uh, someone who identifies as gay or lesbian, you're probably less likely to think that gay marriage is morally wrong. So if you know somebody, you're less likely to think that it's wrong. Um, ACCS alumni are the highest of any group in knowing an LGBT person and the most likely to say that gay marriage is morally wrong. So that shows the independence of mind that despite maybe knowing or having friends who are LGBT, they do not, um, they do not compromise the views that they have. All the other groups work opposite of that. Despite that belief, they're not uh, throwing homosexuals off buildings or hating them or, you know, lighting crosses in their yards or anything right. like that. Very Yeah, we'll come to one here in a minute that, that really, well, let's just drop straight down to that one because that one, uh, there's a supporting one, uh, chart 6.7 is similar. The ACCS alumni are the most likely of any of the Christian groups and more likely even than the private preparatory secular schools to say that society should be more tolerant of non-Christian religions. So ACCS comes up as very tolerant, not quite as tolerant as the public schools or the Catholic schools, but very highly tolerant. Um, and then if you move down... Religion is a, uh, they, you know, how much do they believe this statement? Religion is a private matter and should be kept out of social and political debates. ACCS alumni are drastically different on that. They disagree with that statement strongly. So they're more tolerant, but they're also more uh, willing to debate the issues. And then you get to the last one, the percent who um, agree that, uh, it's okay to say things in public offensive to religious groups. ACCS is the highest on that. So to your point, hmm. they're the most tolerant. They don't seek to um, they don't seek to you know to dislike anyone, but they are 
very willing to debate them right. and disagree with them. It would almost seem like so, uh, Christianity would lend itself to believing that we can be tolerant of other groups while not suppressing our religion and being able to say, you know, what the truth is. Yeah. You know, going back up to chart 6.5 on page 44, you get the same kind of idea. ACCS alumni are not swayed by consensus. So this is another triad we put together when you looked at the data. Um, they're the most they're among the most likely to trust scientists, which seems odd, right? Christians aren't supposed to trust scientists, but ACCS alumni are far, far above their um, homeschool and evangelical counterparts and pretty much on parity with the other the secular groups on trusting scientists. Um, they believe uh, Chris, uh, that uh, the ACCS alumni believe that science and religion are mostly compatible. And you can really see this if you've been in a classical Christian school. You know, most of the schools read the, the origin of the species or in any of the secular approaches. They read them, they study them, and they rightly divide the truth so that they aren't really threatened by it. And so you see the fact that they believe that science and religion are, are compatible more so than any other group by a long shot. And then you ask them, are there errors in the Bible regarding science or history? And they say no, um, <laughs> which is the lowest of any of the groups. So they're the most uh, likely. And, and you can see this, you know, even within our movement. I know you guys can and have some affiliation with the uh, released um, what are the science films? Oh, yeah, the documentary. Oh, yes, the Ride in the Dance. Yeah, yeah, Ride in the Dance. Sorry. I no, no worries. Go second, see that March 6th, Ride in the Dance.com. Ride in the Dance are very popular among our schools because basically if you look at what those films do, they don't preach anti-evolution. They just show the beauty of God's creation. Yeah. Um, and the way it, it's shown clearly makes the Bible the most authoritative source for good uh, theology on creation. And that's kind of, you know, obviously you guys have deep ties to classical Christian education, so uh, you guys reflect a lot of what we're about. Yeah, yeah. And, and you could just say, you know, maybe the one of the better arguments against evolution is just assuming the center. Of course, of course, God created. There's just one more. Seventh influence. This is the one that we were surprised by the most of any of them. Okay. Uh, because we didn't look for it. There wasn't really, we were trying to put together, what do we do with all these extreme answers in certain categories that just don't match up? And we put them all together and looked at it. And, well, this is just how influential they are in their communities. So this is the one where private preparatory schools are a little bit above the median, like five or seven points. We're 38 you know, between 35 and 42, depending on whether you're using corrected numbers or not, um, points above the median, which is extreme. And so one might ask, what is influence? Why is that? Basically, we asked a bunch of questions on the survey about, uh, did they know uh, a political leader? Did they have a uh, personal friend who um, had ever run for political office? Do they know uh, atheists? Do they know, um, you know, kind of a broad range of different kinds of people? Are they willing to protest? Do they uh, believe that they can have an impact on their community and in politics? Do they have an obligation to take uh, action against wrong and injustice? And in all of those cases, um, we, we were very high on those uh, relative to the other groups. So 
uh, they're a very influential group. So one one in particular, the, I think that's uh, that would be interesting, especially for where sort of the baseline of of how folks speak today. Obligation to take action against wrong or injustice. ACCS like doubles big time. Everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and and that's um, that's just interesting. I mean, we it, you you do surveys like this, and you want to reach back through the the survey instrument and ask these people, what did you mean? What you know? Why are you so passionate about this? But we have just the data, so we yeah. get to look at it and go, all right, we're very. Uh, they feel very obligated to take action against wrong or injustice. And I imagine. You know, each of these things are, as you mentioned, things that you experience when you go to the classrooms, when you go to the schools, and that you could, you know, were probably talking points as you um, tried to sell folks on on the ACCS schools. It's it's wild to see it sort of uh, given to you by someone else to to sort of validate, um, yeah, you know, what you've been sowing in faith. Uh, God's been very kind. Yes, it, it was, and um, we've enjoyed. You know, one of the projects we're in, uh, in works in the works of now is that we've taken this data, and we're out trying to um, uh, validate it with actual stories of individual hmm. alumni that we can bring back. That's awesome. What would you want to point folks to? So now that we've kind of painted that picture, if they're not at an ACCS school, you know, you have the floor. Where where would you want to send folks? Yeah, classicaldifference.com is the best place to go. Um, you can find the survey there. Uh, it, it's uh, pretty easily linked to from a variety of sources. And you can look through it, and there's obviously a lot of pros in the, in the report if you're a data wonk and want to look at that. But if you just want to learn about the movement as a whole, the classicaldifference.com uh, has stories from classical education around the country and around the world. Uh, throughout it, it, what Classical Difference uh, started out as is a magazine of the. It's a, it's our published magazine, about twenty thousand in uh, circulation on classical Christian education. But uh, the website is really the repository of all things classical. So it's, it's an interesting place to look. The key button on there is the school. Find a school. Um, we keep pretty str- uh, extensive records of our schools, and they're all available to. Uh, parents to Brown and find a school in their area. Awesome. And additionally, I wanted to make sure folks knew about the Geronimo Amen documentary um, that you guys have. I believe it's on your YouTube. Yes. And you guys produced that for us originally, and it's been a great piece. There's two parts to it, and uh, they're both very different. One of them is Don't Miss the Blessing, uh, which is really a bunch of uh, various people telling how they got into this movement and why it's changed their. Uh, worldview and the way they see the world. And the second one is more of a report. It's more of a an expose on what the nature of classical Christian schools are. So you get to have the the practice I do of going around and seeing a bunch of different schools in the country without actually having to do it. You can just watch the video. (laughs) Awesome. David, thank you so much for offering your time to us and walking us through that. I will uh, see you in Louisville. All right. Well, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much. Take care.